Let's talk about Medi-Cal. You have a choice, and Molina makes it easy, especially when it comes to the care you need. So let's talk about you, about making your life easier, about extra help to manage your health. Let's talk about your needs now and for the future. Nobody knows Medi-Cal better than Molina. It starts with a phone call. Call 866-420-5330 or visit meetmolinaca.com. Let's talk today. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. This is Mark Warner, as always, along with Chris Lisa, my co-host. Welcome back to the show. We are just past our one-year anniversary, so I want to give a quick shout-out to everybody who's listened to the show, contacted us through Twitter, Facebook, whatever, what have you. Thank you so much. You guys make this fun and make it possible. So uh, just passing our one-year anniversary doing the show, I just want to give a quick shout-out and a thank you to everybody who's come on board. It's been uh, it's been a blast, and if the announcement that our friends at Sinbin Podcast say is coming in the middle of May, they were the first ones to report that the Board of Governors meeting would be held at the the early early May, which is next week, and then the announcement that Las Vegas is getting a franchise will come in the middle of May. It's going to get a lot more fun real fast. So thanks once again, everybody. Chris, we are here to wrap up the first round and take a quick look ahead into the second round this evening. What jumped out at you? Uh, I know, obviously, Islanders. Yeah, with uh, uh, big story. First uh, first playoff Islanders, round uh, win since '93, I believe. Uh, why don't we kick off there? Give me your thoughts on that series. Uh, uh, total, uh, um, but at the end of the day, they won three overtime games. Uh, they came back in numerous games. In fact, Florida scored first in five of the uh, six games, and you know they were led by they were out uh, outshot, outchanced, uh, outpossessioned. Uh, they uh, defy the analytics gods, uh, but uh, uh, but you know their best players uh, play the best, and John Tavares and Thomas Grice uh, played like a franchise goalie, and he's also a good. They're both also a good start in round two, but uh, uh, it was a huge boost uh, over here on, on Long Island uh, in the tri-state area of uh, Islander fans. Uh, a lot of yeah, they're going to have to carry the time New time. York banner here. Uh, but by Rangers, obviously Buffalo still building their way up. New Jersey didn't make it, so any hockey passion in New York needs to be directed down towards Brooklyn right now because they're carrying the flag for sure. It's funny you mentioned that they did not lead, but for 45 minutes out of that whole series, uh, it, when you said that, I I re- was reminded of the Kings 2014 against the Rangers. They did not lead for one second in three of the five games. The the three games they won were losing or tied and won in overtime. They had a 3 nothing shutout there at Madison Square Garden in Game 3, and Game 5 they put it away. But the three of the games they did not lead for a single second before they won. So that just reminded me of that. Um, Rangers series, I saw you had an article. I believe it came out on Last Word on Sports. Is that correct? Uh, referencing is the Rangers windows closed right now. Um, yep. I'd have to say yes. <laughs> uh, you wrote your article. Why don't you sum that up for us on that series? Yeah, I mean, 
No, it was a very, you know, I tell you, sports is so hard to predict. It was, you know, uh, Lundquist gets hurt in game one, and then that game kind of goes off the rails, only down, I think it was, if memory can serve correct, was they were down one nothing after one, and, and Pittsburgh went to their third goalie. It was kind of a strange series. You see Zach off in that, that came out of the blue. And then uh, Lundquist comes back. They win game two on the road. Then, you know, like, typical Rangers, uh, Kim, you know, never count them out. They lose a tough, close one-goal game in game three, but you feel like it's going to be a long series. And then they get blown out the next two games. It's just harder. You know, um, I mean, Lundquist wasn't at his best, but the defense was just atrocious. And, um, yeah, I mean, there's a, they got a lot of tough questions to ask uh, uh, themselves. Uh, it's not going to be easy. It's not easy to restructure your roster in the NHL. Uh, especially when you have long-term commitments, no movement, no trade clauses, um, you know. So it's it's easy to say, let's restructure the roster and all that. But much harder to do. So uh, this is going to be a very interesting offseason for them. Um, I think the biggest problem with them is going to be the core of that team. Was you know a couple of years ago you would say, oh, they have the best blue line in the sport. By far, and you know Ryan McDonough, the captain, is still uh, an A plus uh, defender, uh, defenseman. But Mark Stoll is inconsistent, and Dan Girardi has. I mean, there's just been so many miles. I mean, the Rangers have played over the last five years more playoff games than any other team. Believe it or not, they've played 81. Sure. And if you think about it, that's a full season. So basically, they played six seasons in the last five. And there's just a lot of tread off that tire, and if those special, if those, if that unit is uh, not on the same level anymore, I, you know, I'm not going to be a lottery team next year, but you know, they'll probably be a playoff team. But the days of them being an East, you know, an Eastern Conference contender, are like who's the contenders? They're 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 not going to be on that that list. So uh, they. I think you got to beg somebody to take Rick Nash and free up that salary cap space because that's a giant hole of production going into, I think, $8 million a year in salary. Seven, eight million dollars there. Yeah. Yeah, 7.8. And I was talking to uh, our buddy Matt Pryor the other day about this, and he he felt that, uh, believe it or not, he felt the Florida Panthers to be a a landing spot for him. Uh, now he does have a no trade clause, so he would. I have think to at this point he'd probably traded, want out of there. But, uh, uh, Who knows? He, yeah, well, depending depending upon which, where he would go, I could see that being a good all, landing. All right, well let's uh, let's move on from that. One uh, one quick question on that: Do you, if Flurry comes back, do you bring him in, or do you stick with Murray? Uh, I don't think Flurry's anywhere close to coming back from what I've read. I mean, he's still dealing with concussion symptoms. You gotta, you gotta ride him. I you mean, gotta ride the hot hand, right? You know, at this and he had to play. Yeah, yeah. And at this point, and at this point, as you know, goalies, you know, you gotta be, you gotta just throw him in the middle of a series. And um, uh, <laughs> when he hasn't seen yep. any game action yep, yep. for over a month, um, you know, usually takes takes a few games to kind of get your your a game back. So. I, and I don't think he's going to be healthy, so I don't even know. Think it's it's at this point it's Mario Bust. I mean, they lost a tough game last night in overtime. I mean, that's going to be a long series. So uh, I, I'm not saying Murray's hopey, but uh, 
but he should hold his own. Although he did give up a, a sort his probably soft goal in a long in a while. Okay, moving on. Uh, number one seed Caps move ahead, but maybe not as easily as some, including myself, thought. Uh, Philly put up a nice scrappy struggle. Probably. Uh, Need to bring bring in, along another top four D and a little bit more scoring depth, uh, but not not a bad not a bad run for Hackstall's first run through the NHL playoffs. There, huh? Yeah, no, I mean when they went down three zero, you figured, okay, this can be done in four, and especially how ugly that yeah. game three got uh, with all the shenanigans. But uh, give the Flyers give the Flyers credit, and Michael Norbert played unbelievable. Uh, and made Washington really sweat. So uh, they had a great season. Uh, the question is for them to, uh, you know, to get deeper, uh, to get better on their blue line. And I know they have a lot of young kids coming, especially on the blue, blue line, and uh, get a little bit deeper scoring-wise uh, up front. I think their biggest question mark. Yep, you get a little that. deeper. Um Bring up some of that young talent, move them line, let the ghost have another year or two, and they might be slipping into that Rangers spot of people you could think could contend there in the East. Um, one more series, and we'll wrap up this first segment. We'll get to the West uh, after the next two. We're, we're uh, running a couple minutes behind. We got to get our guest on the line here. So let's take a quick look at Tampa, Tampa Red Wings. The what I I had the Red Wings in this series uh, because Tampa was banged up going in. They proved me wrong and. They were a lot deeper team than I thought they would be. Two things come out of this series for me. Uh, Stamkos' last game in Tampa and maybe Datsuk's last game in the NHL. Uh, your thoughts on this one, Chris? Yeah, I mean, you had five close games. I mean, Tampa, you know, I believe all five games, Detroit was either, you know, tied or ahead going to the third period. But to me, uh, I just felt Detroit wasn't strong enough in goal when and strong enough on the blue line, although they only gave up 12 goals in five games. So, um, But at the end of the day, I, I think it was the same thing. I, I don't think they were just deep enough. I, I think um, and, you know, the Detroit's kind of in that middle ground here. So I think they're going to have to start, uh, especially with Datsuk probably going to the K next year, I think they're going to have to start really working in some of the talented youngsters that they have and uh, unloosen the reins a bit. So uh, they're in a team a bit in transition and and they're, tra- they're transitioning and still making the playoffs so something uh, you know kudos to them on, on that yeah and if this uh, is if this is pavel datsuk's last uh last game in the nhl i tap my stick to him on the way out tip my hat uh not too many people have their last name turned into an adjective when describing moves of other players and many many times in the shootout you would hear announcers say and that was a datsukian move so uh that stick tap to pavel datsuk if he has played his last game in the nhl uh godspeed sir wish you well um and that'll that'll wrap it up for our our eastern conference first round look back we got to get our guest on the horn so stick with us and we'll be right back Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk-radio-format streaming station. Check it out. All right, hockey fans, thanks for coming back 
from the break with us. I want to welcome in Dan Petru. Uh, he does a, a bunch of stuff. You can find him at DanDanNoodles78 on Twitter. He is the Islanders writer for Hockey Buzz, Eklund site over there. And he does co-host duties on a couple of podcasts there through Hockey Buzz. Why don't you take us through that real quick, Dan? Yeah, you can uh, check me out at DanDanNoodles78 on Twitter. That's where you'll find uh, all my content. Uh, head over to Hockey Buzz, where we do a, a web show at uh, 1 o'clock every afternoon, Monday through Friday. I'm usually on there uh, three days a week or so. And then me and uh, Noel Fogelman, uh, the other Islanders writer on Hockey Buzz, we also produce our own podcast, uh, the Isles Buzz podcast. And we uh, get some pretty good guests on there. Uh, we had just had Ralph Macchio on a couple weeks ago. Uh, actor Michael Vartan was just on. We've had Denny Potvin on. And uh, we're trying to, to hammer it down, but it looks like we're going to have uh, Chris Conley on next week. Did you guys have Kelly Rudy on recently, too? Is that right? We've had Kelly Rudy on, yep, yeah, multiple times, yeah. Kelly's Absolutely, fantastic. Yeah. That's, that's a good Kelly's guy, outstanding, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, we've had Glenn Healy as well, too. He's been great. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. Well, let's jump. Uh, I did want to get to one bit of news that we didn't get to in the first segment. I want to get your guys' reaction on Bruce Boudreaux getting uh, let go in Anaheim. And that's not really a story. Everyone kind of figured that it was at least make it to the finals or bust there in Anaheim. We kind of mentioned that in our playoff preview episode there a couple weeks back. But what uh, what really got me, and I don't know if you guys saw it yet or not, was the the press conference that Murray gave there when he you usually don't. Uh, do what he did and he just hopped on the bus lined up his roster and just ran them over with the bus today uh dan did you see that press conference no i've not seen that yet uh, i heard about it but, goodness um, gracious you know, it's funny that that murray is the one driving over everyone in, in the organization when he's the one who drives the bus I mean, well for sure <laughs> and i don't understand how he still has a job today look Bruce Boudreaux's a great coach. He's not going to be out of out of uh, out of work, you know, very long. Um, and his records in Game Seven are appalling. But obviously, someone had to fall on the sword there. But he shouldn't be the only casualty. The Ducks need to fire their general manager, and they need to clean up that roster. I, I, you know, I'm a I'm a I'm a Kings guy, so I see them quite often, and. I, I'm not sure what it was. In in we were talking before the season started. Uh, a team that goes to the Western Conference Finals, regardless of whether they win or lose Game Seven or what have you, to go through the roster turnover that they went through at the end of last right. season to replace seven starters and nine players out of your 25 man roster going into a season after one really basically fluke Jonathan Tay's goal going off uh, Anderson's skate there with two minutes left to play in Game 7. Um, I, I said before the season with Chris that I just I just didn't like that kind of a, a reaction to what had just happened. Um, so maybe maybe there's something to be said for, for where you're at, and, and uh, the bus driver there might want to look in the mirror uh, on his way over the rest of the roster. But basically he said, uh, you know, this isn't holding a gun to Bruce Boudreaux's head. This is on the players. When I watched that series in games one and two, I didn't see any passion. I didn't see any desire. Sure, they showed up and played a good game in in game seven but i didn't see any of that in the start of the series and and kind of just went on and on down that road i was very surprised and, and maybe that is the reaction of someone who knows he's on the hot seat now too um and he's trying to deflect a little bit towards him chris i know you haven't seen that we kind of expected 
uh, along with everybody else, that Boudreaux would be let go here shortly after that and kind of expected the same thing for Hitchcock. But uh, they they put a little crimp in Chicago Blackhawks' plans this postseason. And maybe maybe that's enough for Hitchcock, but maybe they got to – got to go ahead and take the stars out too we'll talk about that in a little bit but since since he is the, the dan is the isles writer and obviously everyone knows chris is a is a diehard isles fan from way back uh why don't we look back at round one and get dan why don't you give me your take first on how how the isles did break their 20 year uh fruition or their whatever i'm trying to say how they break their 20 year <laughs> streak of of not winning a playoff series yeah, you know, it wasn't easy. Uh, it never is easy with this team. But um, they were pretty much dominated at even strength for a majority of the series. But that can happen in the playoffs if, if a couple of key things are going for them. Their superstar was their best player. John Tavares was clearly is, is playing at an ungodly level right now. Uh, I've never seen him play this well. He's just raced his game to a whole other level. And linemates be damned. He's just said, jump on my back, we're going to go. Um, the power play was very good. This is a team that lost the Game 7 to Washington last year by one goal uh, where they scored no power play goals on 15 chances in the entire series. And this year they scored five power play goals in six games. And so in a a, a very tight series, something like that could definitely tip the scales. The penalty kill was fine, and they got outstanding goal goal tending from Thomas Grice. So when you put all those things together, you can overcome being dominated or maybe the Panthers having the better of the chances when you're capitalizing on your opportunities. Right, right. How much, and to the, two of those points were things that, that Chris had said. He said, number one, he felt this series would be for better, for worse, uh, Tavares' defining moment as an Islander. And I got to hand it to him. He called that on the button, and it was for the better, for sure. And bringing up last year's power play woes and in, in, in the compare and contrast towards this year's first-round matchup, um, nailed it right on the head i gotta give kudos i i actually uh took the panthers in there so i got egg on my face over that one um you and everybody else yeah yeah everybody else took it too so don't feel bad um you really had to look long and hard to find somebody who who liked the islanders hey hey i don't i was called i was called a homer for taking the islanders i was gonna say whether chris gave it a homer call or didn't give it a homer call uh, he had a lot of real good points in, our, in when we were talking about that series, and he hit the nail right on the head. I wanted to ask, Chris, why don't you hit this one? Uh, how much do you think the youth and playoff inexperience of the Panthers squad, uh, even though the Isles haven't got past the first round, I believe they've been in the playoffs, what, three of the last four years? Um, how, much, right. how much of that playoff experience do you think played into that series? Yeah, I, I think it did help them, especially like as Dan said. I mean, it's de- definitely almost all the games, it felt like the ice was tilted uh, very much so at various times. Uh, I, I, You know, I don't think it came into play. I don't know how Dan feels about it, of uh, the Panthers' inexperience. I didn't really see that. Uh, but in terms of being able to just keep uh, grinding and, you know, as Jack Capuano likes to say, battle level, you know, and uh, – but they did. That they they were very resilient, and you you, you saw that with, with three overtime wins, and um, you know they just found a way. I mean, uh, that's probably probably the best thing I can say about their re- regular season is it was very uneven, 
And there was, you know, if you went back and looked at the schedule, you wouldn't be able to find a lot of games where they played a full 60 minutes. But despite all that, they, they were able to find a way to get 100 points. So uh, I, I think they played a little bit. They played better, but they, they are still, still not. I mean, I, I didn't feel like in that series they had a, an A game or anything like that. So I'm I'm so hopeful that they, they are, can continue to improve and hopefully their confidence will be up. You know, you don't see a lot of you, – you don't see a lot of A games in the playoffs. These these teams are so evenly matched. I mean, the, the Islanders and Panthers are separated by three points, I think. The Lightning and Islanders are separated by two points. These teams are so evenly matched. It's like it's impossible to, to, to carry the play for an entire 60 minutes unless the other team's goalie – you know, throws in a complete stinker. It's going to be ebbs and flows, and there's going to be times where each team is dominating and each team has chances, and you just need timely goals and need good, good goaltending and take advantage of your special team opportunities. Ooh. Tell, tell the Sharks that they don't have to bring their A game for 60 minutes, huh? <laughs> Ooh. We had actor uh, Michael Vartan on our, our podcast uh, yesterday, and he's a diehard Kings fan, and we just let him uh, – we let him uh, bury the Kings, and uh, and boy, was he uh, not not too favorable, not too favorable. Looking forward to, to the future of that that organization. They they definitely need to have a busy offseason. Um, I probably disagree with him on a couple points, uh, but we, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, I I almost, even though a Kings guy, I almost took the Sharks just the way the Kings came down the stretch after they uh, clinched their playoff berth. Uh, horrible hockey the rest of the way down the stretch um, in all facets of the game. And it was pretty clear to me that the Sharks were are finding their game. You know, the Sharks have a reputation of being uh, playoff disappointments, but that's always with them being a President's Cup winner, uh, Western Conference number one, number two seed, and all eyes being upon him. And I kind of like the way they were just flying under the radar. It kind of seemed to suit their makeup that they, you know, we're just going along, we're plugging away, we're doing our thing, we're getting better at the right time. And it was time for some payback. And they sure laid the hammer down. But I, I don't think you ought to blow up the roster on the Kings. I think they ran into a, a hot, a hot team with a goalie who wanted to prove to the organization that let him go that they maybe could have hung on to him for a little bit. And I got a lot of guys on that Sharks team with a lot of pride, and it was payback time, and the Kings were in the way. Uh, that's how well, I, I think. The, I, go I ahead. I think the Kings need to address a few things in the offseason. They definitely need defensemen. Sure, you need another Absolutely. top four. And they need to either get rid of Dustin Brown or Marion Gabrick. they got to get a little younger. They have to get a little more athletic, and they need to be a little more explosive up front. I think part of that, too, is the coaching style. It's, I feel For like, sure. I, I feel like Kopitar is playing with one of those uh, wheel boots that you get when you get a parking violation. You know, it's like if, if, if he had, was in a more open system, he would be 85, 90 points easily. He, I just think you gotta, you, you got to let your, your creative, skilled players be creative and skillful. Dowdy as well is playing with that piano on, oh, on his back as well. When, you, when it gets down to the last five minutes of a game and the Kings are either tied or down one, the things that Dowdy does in that five-minute period, if that were to be unleashed for 60 minutes, um, mm -hmm. uh, Drew Dowdy's an amazing hockey player, but definitely the reins are on. And that's that's Sutter style. Um, like like it, love it, hate it. It is what it is. Um, 
hard to argue with two cups in four years or whatever it was that they've done. Of but course. but maybe the, the and you instituted that style in 2011, 2012 when you took over and these guys were 22, 23 years old. It might be time to let the 27, 28 year old versions of those guys play a little bit freer with the puck. And I agree 100% that either uh, Gabarik or Brown's contract needs to go, or maybe both. I'd like to see. Yeah, Lu- maybe both. I, I, I'm I, not sure if you'll be able to move both of them. I'd like to see Lucic uh, re-signed if that's at all possible. Once you move a couple of the other contracts, um, and and remember, Alex Martinez was hurt in that series, and he is a, a legitimate top four defenseman. So. Maybe plug that hole. Maybe Matt Green comes back healthy. Maybe you bring up another uh, another top four guy, and I think they're right back where they were before. But anyway, I wanted to get to uh, the preview. Look ahead on. We got a couple minutes before I got to take a break. So if we can just hit the uh, Isles Tampa's. What do you guys think of Game One, and where do you guys see that series going? I'll let well, you I, first. okay, thank you. Um, that's why I waited. Like, I'll see who talks first. <laughs> um, but I think. Uh, I think what you saw in game one is in the first period you saw a Tampa team that had uh, a few too many days off, and then you, in the third period you saw an Islanders team that played four games in seven days with two of them being double overtime. So I think the second period was probably the, the best uh, the best period to see what these teams looked like in game one. And I think it's going to be another even series. I don't expect Ben Bishop to be as terrible as he was in game one. I do think the Islanders match up better with Tampa than they do with Florida. Uh, while Tampa's a dynamic skating team, um, they're not nearly as physical as the Panthers are. They're not as big as the Panthers are. And I don't think they have the blue line that the Panthers have as well. I'm not taking anything away from Victor Hedman, but the loss of Strawman can't be discounted. Uh, up front, they're explosive. They definitely, if you make a mistake, the puck will go in the back of the net. But I see another long, fairly even series here, and I picked the Islanders to win in six, and I'm going to stay with that. All right, Chris, uh, about 45 seconds for you, sir. Yeah, I, I, what jumped out at me was the fourth line uh, played a, its first real significant game, and I think they match up well with Tampa. And uh, they actually could easily score a couple of goals, get a couple of goal posts and crossbars. So I like the Islanders in seven, and uh, so I think it's uh, it's an even series as well. All right, all right. Well, let's let's look at that one a little bit more in depth when we come back. We'll. Uh... We'll finish up that, and we'll get to some Caps-Penguins actions and then round out the Western Conference here in just a couple minutes. Thanks for hanging on. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk radio format streaming station. Check it out. And welcome back once again from the break. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast along with Dad Petru uh, at DanDanNoodles78 on Twitter. He's uh, Islanders contributor over at EcklandSideHockeyBuzz.com. Check it out if you're an Isles fan or just looking for some good NHL content. We were just finishing up the, the Isles Lightning look ahead here with Chris. And I know Chris had a couple more things to go. Why don't you go ahead and lead this segment off, buddy? Yeah, I just have uh, Dan mentioned, uh, he thought this was a little bit more favorable matchup for the Islanders uh, in terms of the Lightning as opposed to the Panthers. 
just a quick question, Dan. What do you like about this matchup in terms of from an Islander perspective, but also what don't you what don't you like? What's the number one concern you have in terms of this matchup from an Islander perspective? I think uh, I think the Islanders can exploit the Tampa Bay blue line. I think the fourth line will have a significant impact in this series uh, because they're more they're more physical than the, the entire Tampa Bay right, uh, Lightning roster put together. It's not a knock on Tampa. It's just the style they play. They play more of a perimeter high skill game, and I think the fourth line can be extremely uh, a, that will benefit the uh, the fourth line. And you saw it in Game One. They had their best they had their best performance of the playoffs so far. Uh, I think the Islanders' special teams can continue to excel. I think the power play, uh, they you know, scored a big goal in game one. I, that's the thing. You don't. I think now you throw out the numbers. You don't care if they're one for five or one for six in the game. The fact that they're scoring one a game is a big deal, and uh, and they're doing that. So I think the Islanders definitely uh, match up well. I think the Islanders' def- uh, defensemen have been active, and I think they can contribute more than the Tampa Bay Blue Line as well. And hopefully Ryan Pollock is back uh, for game three because he changes the entire dimension of that power play. That team, uh, I was at game three and four, and when uh, as soon as he was out there, the entire Florida box just would over overshift to his side, and guys are open left and right, and it's definitely giving, uh, giving whoever else is on the ice more space, and, and Tavares was able to take advantage of that. Uh, with that being said, uh, the triplet line is outstanding for Tampa. That's a line that can take over a series. You saw them do it against Tampa. They're highly skilled. Uh, I think Kucherov is one of the uh, was one of the up and coming st- superstars of this league. He just is an outstanding player. I love I love the way he is. It's one of those guys where if I need if if I'm in a, in town and I, I want to go see someone play, he's the guy I'm paying to watch. He's that good. I think there's a lot of Tarasenko in him, and he's just he's fun to watch. I love Tyler Johnson. I think the Tampa Bay core of forwards is deeper than Florida and more experienced. That's not a knock on the, on the Panthers per se, but they were missing Trocheck for much of the series, and they lost Fuchsett, and I didn't think they could uh, recover from that. So I definitely think the Islanders have to uh, keep in mind and be cognitive of the uh, of the top line for the Lightning. You're not going to completely shut them down, but you can just slow them down a bit. Tampa definitely has an advantage with their foot speed, but I do think it's something that the Islanders can overcome. Real quick, just on uh, the Tampa Bay depth question, is Stamkos – play in tampa bay next year no i don't think so either i think that core group is so deep and so good that tying up that much i mean i think the eight and a half million reported opening offer there was an insult myself but that'd be yeah, that'd yeah. be yeah. That, 10, that, 10 million is not even picking up the phone you gotta, you gotta get 10 million to pick up the phone 100 percent, 100 percent. so i think that was just a slap in the face and i think it probably to upset stamkos and his his group a little bit um, but I don't see how you can tie up that much salary cap. And even, even let's, let's just be honest. What, if not the best, maybe Ovechkin has a better shot, but one of the best shots in the league and one of the best players, obviously top five in my book. Um, even so, I, ha- I don't think with that skilled a group behind him that are all going to be coming due next year or the year after. I don't think, I think it's pretty smart business since, just to go ahead and let him go. I mean, I hate to say that, and I hope our, our listeners in Tampa don't don't come out to Vegas and hunt me down for that. But uh, I think the core group there is is proving itself more than competitive. So I got I got to agree with you. I, I Detroit I heard was making a, a little noise that they might be interested in him, but 
uh, last August, Chris started with the Stamkos to Toronto stuff, and I don't see any reason on either side why that won't come to fruition. Well, there's going to be a lot of teams enough- lining up for him. I got a I got a team that'd be a perfect fit for him. You wouldn't even have to leave the state and go go to the Panthers. Ooh, inter- they have the cap space. For interesting. The, the oodles of it, and uh, I I think that'd be a perfect fit. Wow, that'd be a slap in the thing face. Is, huh? The thing is, if he goes to Toronto, just a real quick point. I'm just thinking, if I was him, he's not going to be able to breathe 12 months of the year. I mean, he he will. Oh, 100 percent. He's I'm sure he's smart enough to realize that. I mean, like. I'm, you know, I'm up here in New York uh, when Hideki Matsui was playing in Japan, uh, the ex-Yankee. It was just, he couldn't breathe. I mean, I know it's a different situation, but uh, if I was him, I would, and I had a chance to go. Uh, Florida has no state income taxes, uh, so he, that would still stay the same. Hey, neither and does Nevada. Neither does Nevada. I'll be around in the summer, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, w- I would say look out for the Panthers. Now, can their ownership group put up together a seven-year uh, seven deal at 10 to $11 million a year? You know, that, that would be the key question. Well, what I'd say to that real quick before we move on is some players thrive in that spotlight. Um, some players wilt. Um, I don't, just from watching from afar, I don't think Stamkos has the character to wilt. I don't know. I could be wrong. No, I, I, I think you're right. I, I, I think that's a good call. I think he would yeah, no, thrive in that. I don't think he that. would wilt in Toronto, but I, I just mean from a quality of life perspective. I mean, the, the amount of media. I mean, uh, he, he just uh, – I'm just saying, like, you know, they're still – even with him on the roster, they would still go through a couple more rebuilding years, in my opinion. And uh, even when they get good, he, he would just be nonstop. I'm, I'm just talking about from a quality of life perspective. You know, 12, 12, mi- 12 million a year is a heck of a quality of life there, sir. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, let's uh, let's move on. We beat that horse up. Uh, Caps Penguins. We already saw game one. Overtime, TJ Oshie game-winning hat trick. Disputed goal, but it was in. It's a good goal. Everybody who's uh, on the other side of that. It, it's a good goal. There's no refraction. There's no angle question about it. It's over the line. Um, are we going to see six more games of that, Chris? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's – I mean, this is a tough series to call. Um, you know, the question I have is, you know, in the first round, the Rangers clearly out hit the Penguins. It didn't seem to make an impact. Uh, the, the Capitals are much more physical, as I can attest to from last year. That's for sure as Dan, Dan can as well. Will that have a greater impact, and especially as the series moves forward? Obviously, you have Holpe versus Murray, so that's advantage caps. But both, you know, both teams throw four lines at you. The Penguins are playing at such a incredible. I mean, the Capitals have been the best team by far, start to finish, and the Penguins are the hottest team and uh, by far. So, I mean, I think this is going seven, and I guess I'll. I mean, I'll take the Capitals simply because of Holpe, because of Holpe, and uh, he's just been incredible. But, I mean, I don't feel confident with that pick. I think it's it's truly, you know, you can literally flip a coin. That's actually what I did. That's how I, that's how I made my decision. <laughs> I, I, went, I went back and forth. I went back and forth. I could not make up my mind. I flipped the coin on Hockey Buzz on our web show the other day, and it came up Penguins. So, uh, Penguins in seven. Uh, both teams, I think you saw last night, very evenly matched. It's going to be a physical series. It's going to be a dirty series. It's going to be a, lot, a highly skilled series. I think the goaltending is fine. Murray was a little shaky uh, under the bright lights last night. But I thought he rebounded well after uh, 
a stretch of a period of play where he was a little shaky, and I think all in all he'll be fine. I'm really excited about his future. I think he's going to be a dynamic young goalie. Uh, but with that being said, uh, I, I, you know, you can go either way on this. I really think if you, if you pick the Capitals, you know, okay, sure. If you pick the Penguins, because they're, they're so evenly matched, and they're both playing extremely good hockey. So I think it's going to come down to whoever. I said, I said on our web show yesterday that I think the difference in the series is going to be the secondary superstar. I think Crosby and Ovechkin will counter each other out or counterbalance each other out. I think it's going to come down to Kuznetsov and Malkin. Kuznetsov did not have a good first round against the Flyers. Uh, Malkin's coming on pretty strong. I think he's going to be the difference. I think the third line in the bottom six of the Penguins is a little bit better than the Capitals. So, like, I, you can go either way on this. I flip the coin. I'm going to go Penguins in seven. Well, I have a quick question for Dan on this. Now, Dan, do you, how, do you, are you, if you were a Capitals fan, would you be worried of the past ghost of, you know, getting breaking yes. through? Yeah. To get, Okay, so I don't even have to finish the question. No, you have to finish the question. Yeah, until the elephant's in the room, until they get to the finals. That's the thing. They have failed so much in the postseason. If they don't get to the Stanley Cup finals, it's unfortunate, but their season's a failure. Well, that leads me into uh, my next question, Dan. Is it fair to say, regardless of Isles-Tampa, that this is probably the Eastern Conference final when talking Caps pins? Yeah, I think so, but if you... If you whoever they play in the next round, they're going to have a puncher's chance. Tampa Tampa sure. matches up well with both of those teams. The Islanders match up well with both of those teams, and they were they were both successful against them during the regular season. Obviously, whoever wins that series is going to be a favorite and probably a significant favorite. But goaltending and special teams play is the great equalizer in the playoffs. This uh, that's one hundred percent correct. So that's that's why I'm gonna I'm gonna go with with Chris on Caps and seven on this one. Um, I got to go with Holpe just out of experience alone. He's probably going to win the Vesna this year. I don't think – I think second place will be pretty far down the line in votes as far as that goes. Um, and li- like you said, you got the Crosby and the, and the Ovechkin balancing each other out, Malkin and Kuznetsov. I think probably when you get down to the third line, the caps are probably a little deeper. Um, they might be a little deeper on – on the defense, so I'm just gonna I just tip the nod for and and when it comes down to coaching, I like Trotz, I like uh, what he's done with the Caps to turn them around, and I'm gonna say that the Justin Williams and Mike Richards additions have put that uh, elephant in, over in the corner of the room, even even if it's not sitting on the logo in the middle of the carpet. Yeah, it's I, hard to hide I, an elephant I, in the dressing room. I, yeah, I, I agree. I agree a hundred percent. But I think having you know, those two guys there, um, irregardless of how Mike Richards ended his stay in L.A., I, I say that bringing him on board was the final piece that led directly to two Stanley Cups there. Just his leadership and his, his ability in the room to, you know, be, do, do what Mike Richards does. And I don't really care about what happened between him and Dean Lombardi. Um, I got my Mike Richard jersey, and I won't ever uh, apologize for that. I know a lot of Kings fans will slaughter him and, oh, shut about him out, baby. You know what? Look back a couple years before you say that because there's two Stanley Cup banners in Staples Center and a large part due to Mike Richards. And I think him and Williams helped that locker room. And uh, I'm going to say this puts them over the edge with Holpe and Trotz. Uh, Caps in seven. That's my pick there. Uh, let's go over to the west here. 
Um, we might have to have you stick around for the start of the next segment, Dan. We're going to be up against a break here in a couple minutes. But uh, let's start with Stars Blues. That seems to be the sexier matchup there in the West. Uh, what does – and I, I was talking with Chris before before the show. There's, there's two ways I think uh, St. Louis goes here. Either that we were just saying the elephant is out of the room, they've got past the first round, they've slayed the mighty dragon, and it's it's all full steam ahead, or is this kind of the classic letdown, we've climbed the mountain, that was the goal, and then, uh, where do we go from here? What, how do you see that playing out? Well, St. Louis still has a lot to prove. Uh, they're a dynamic defensive team. Their system is good. They're so disciplined. They're so structured. They're physical. Their goaltending has been great. Uh, I think they match up well with the Stars. I think they have enough star power to overcome Dallas' superstars, and we should do that. Not sure what to expect from Sagan yet in this uh, in this series. Uh, I think if the Blues just play smart and stay out of the penalty box and don't get into a track meet with Dallas, uh, I think the lack of structure of Dallas, the lack of goaltending, and the lack of some shutdown defensemen will be their uh, unraveling, and I think the Blues will win that series. I don't say the Blues are going to win in five. I, I really think this is a matchup for them. I wow. think they can exploit it, and I think they, they move to the next round. Now, with that being said, uh, Hitchcock has to repair his relationship with Tarasenko, and that needs to, that needs to be repaired now. Right now. Because that cannot fester going forward. You cannot be at odds with your superstar, especially no. when your superstar just wants to play a little more. That's not unreasonable. He needs to swallow his pride and use the best assets that is there. Because I said it last week, they could win the Stanley Cup and Hitchcock could still get fired if he can't get along <laughs> with the star player. Well, let, let me uh, let me take us out to the break, Chris. We'll come back with your thoughts on, on Stars Dallas when we come back. Hello, hockey fans, and thanks for listening to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. Make sure you check out all our episodes on SoundCloud, iTunes, and HockeyTalkRadio.us, the Internet's first 24-hour day, seven-day-a-week, all-hockey-talk-radio-format streaming station. Check it out. All right, boys and girls, hockey fans, young and old, we're back from the break. Once again, Dan Petru uh, from the Hockey Buzz family of networks over there. Follow him. Yes, I'm sure you guys all uh, – we're having a real good time talking hockey with him. So follow him at DanDanNoodles78 on Twitter for links to all his content. Of course, you can find him on HockeyBuzz.com. Uh, we're going we're gonna to finish up. Chris has one more thing to do on uh, Blue's – Blue Stars, and then we'll wrap this segment up looking at the last second-round matchup with Sharks-Preds. Chris, rock and roll, buddy. Yeah, I mean, I, from the Stars' perspective, uh, I expect them to be competitive, but, I mean, I don't know what to be worried about more there, their overall team defense or the goaltending, or, or probably the answer is both. But, uh, you know, the Blues are, uh, I think, going to be a lot more physical, as Dan mentioned, and, uh, you know, I, I know they didn't rank the greatest in terms of uh, offense in the league this year, but the bottom line is they're one of the best defensive teams and their specialty teams are through the roof on both power play and penalty kill. And, and at the end of the day, I think that's just asking a lot. And plus, the Stars are going to be without Sagan for at least probably the first half of the series. So 
at, at minimum. So you got, uh, I would, I'm going with Blues in six. I got to, uh, I got to say, Dallas has taken the strides that that we kind of said they would this year from missing the playoffs to be being. Uh, I, I did not think they would win the Western Conference in the regular season. That was a overreach for sure. I think maybe they were over their heads a little bit. I think they come back to earth. Um, I'm I'm Blues in six in this series. I think that the Blues do. Uh, they have scaled that Chicago Blackhawk Mountain, and I think it's all systems go from here on out. That said, stick tap to Dallas. Uh, great season. They brought in Patrick Sharp and Johnny Oduya, and I think they had the same kind of influence in that room that uh, Williams and Richards are having in Washington. Uh, settled things down, put a little cup experience. Uh, don't forget, Niemi also has a cup with Chicago in 2010. So adding eight, seven, eight Stanley Cups into that locker room and experience certainly helped uh, bring that group to this level. But I think that's uh, as far as they go this year. Um, but hey, good season in Dallas. I know Matt Pryor's real happy about it, and probably probably good things ahead for both them and the other team Matt covers is the Florida Panthers. I think. Uh, I think he's got two teams that he does that he writes for on the rise, and it's going to be a lot of fun to be Matt Pryor for a little bit. Um, okay, last 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 series here in in round number two, we're looking Sharks Predators. Sharks uh, killed the Giant as well. Uh, everyone knows hashtag it was three nothing. Well, uh, it was 4-1 this year against the Kings. So they've got their revenge. They had their, their payback. We kind of talked a little bit about that first-round series. We don't need to go into that. What do you think uh, where the Preds are at after dispatching the Ducks? I, don't, I didn't see too many people give uh, the Preds much of a chance. Everyone with their preseason sexy Ducks pick to win the Stanley Cup uh, would, didn't want to back off that so much. Um one of the two hosts here did pick the Preds to win that series. Uh, wasn't Chris, but anyway, how, how do you think they fa- <laughs> how do you think they fare against the Sharks going forward? There, the Preds, uh, they kind of I'm not going to say struggle through the regular season because that's one one uh, let's say murderer's row of a division, but uh, Rene really found his flow if you will, in that series against the Ducks. And can he carry that forward after maybe a subpar regular season for him? Dan? It's funny because I actually, both of these teams have found a way to lose in the first round in recent history. And I wanted to pick both of them. I thought they were the better teams. It's just like with the playoff failure that they've had in the past years, I couldn't get myself to do it. So now that they both got over the hump, they're playing each other. Uh, I think this is an interesting matchup. I like the Sharks team. Uh, I like how they kind of rebuilt on the fly. I really love that it's become Pavelski and Burns' team as opposed to Thornton and Marlowe, and they're more supporting cast now. I think Ward was a great acquisition. I think Paul Martin was a great acquisition. I like their blue line. I think it's good enough. I think their goaltending's good. Martin, Martin Jones has been very good. I think their bottom six is a lot better now. I really like Don Skoy. Uh, there's just a lot of depth there. Yep. And Thornton and Marlowe don't have to carry a team because we all know they're not capable of that, that's Correct. So no, that, yeah. With all that being said, but with all that being said, I really like the defense and the goaltending of the Predators. Uh, I thought their weakness was down the middle. It held against uh, Anaheim. I think Johansson, Ribeiro, 
Uh, Colin Wilkins is, is starting to find some life. They really needed some support from him, and he's been good. Uh, I think Neal uh, will be James Neal, which means probably take a couple bad penalties, but should should get on the board and start scoring here. Uh, but that went, the big key is Pecorene. Pecorene looked like a top-five goalie in the league in the first round of the playoffs. And if he's playing that way, they're going to win. Because when he's playing that way, the defense can take more chances, the defense can be aggressive, and they are by far the best-scoring defense in the league. So when, it, when push comes to shove, I think this is going to be a long series, but I'll take the present seven. Mm. That, I kind of echo my sentiments there. What uh, Do you think Johansson can can grow and elevate here as, you know, good players, first, you know, first-line centers, people you trade Seth Jones for, you, you're supposed to elevate your game and team as you get deeper and deeper into the playoffs. Do you think that Johansson's that kind of a player? I think we'll find out. Uh, I definitely think he takes some pressure off the, the top six that was struggling. Uh, he didn't. He didn't have the best re- regular season in Nashville, but the talent's there, and that's the thing. Even though you didn't have a great regular season, the the slate gets clean. It gets washed clean when you hit the playoffs. So if he can have a, a really good series here, you kind of forget that he was kind of subpar when he came over uh, from Nashville. And he's still trying to find his way, but the yep. talent is there. It's undeniable. He's a big body. He's got great hands. He's a good skater. He wins faceoffs. He plays a two hundred foot game. So I think you have to be ecstatic with with that and what you have moving forward. Now's the chance of, for him to uh, to be able to wipe the slate clean and have a really good series against the Sharks. Um, the Sharks are very good down the middle as well, but I do think he'll have a little more time and space than he did against Anaheim. Uh, yeah, I, I'd have to agree with all that, Chris. What's your what's your take on this series, real quick? Yeah, I think my aha moment uh, in terms of why I like the Sharks and I'm on. I'm going to start drinking the Sharks Kool-Aid, is in Game 5, after they were up 3 nothing against the Kings, and then within a few minutes, it was 3-3, three, three, and they're like, well, here we go again. And they hit the locker room going to, you know, to come out for the third period, and then they just totally dominated the third period to win that game, 6-3. Uh, to three. Yeah, and tw- I Twist just, the dagger. You know what? Twist the dagger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> sorry. I was just like, wow. I mean, I just, you know... And they have a lot of guys playing at a high level. I like their team. I like where their, their power play is electric right now. Uh, I'm a fan of the Predators in terms of how their team is put together. But I tell you what, if I was a Predators fan and someone told me, okay, you're going to face the Ducks in the seven-game series, and Forsberg and Johansson going to have one goal each, and you're going to have a 3.8% power play percentage in the series, and you're going to win the series, I'd be like, huh, what, huh? Uh, but right. though that all has to that all that has but Pecorine uh, is you know skill wise one of the best goalies in the league and he finally sh- it's finally showed up in the playoffs in a very very couple big moments so I think it'll be a long series but uh, I like I like the Sharks in six I got to go with you on that I think Sharks in seven but it if if Nashville can't slow that power play down, and maybe Pecorini is the answer. You've always got to be your best penalty killer, right? Um, yep. Pecorini sure played better than uh, Jonathan Quick in the first round, and that that's painful for me to say, but it's true. <laughs> um, so if Pecorini is, is the great backstop that he needs to be, maybe that slows. I think Nashville might get the best to play five-on-five, five. Um, but 
if they don't stay out of the penalty box, I think that might be the whole key to the series because it just seemed like they were doing anything they wanted to do on the power play against um, one of the better, you know, top 10 penalty killing units in the league. So I think that power play right now is just all cylinders, all out, full speed go. And unless unless Pecorini plays maybe better than he did in the first round, I think uh, I think Sharks in seven, and it'll be a a Blues Sharks ratings nightmare for the National Hockey League in in the Western Conference. But uh, that's all the time we have to, for today, boys and girls. Dan, I want to thank you once again for joining us. Excellent insight into the uh, wrapping up the first round and looking ahead here as the second round gets underway. Sir, we appreciate it, and we'd love to have you back again sometime. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Anytime. No, no problem. Make sure you guys follow him on Twitter for links to all his contact or go over to HockeyBuzz.com and look him up. Uh, great stuff, great stuff, especially if you're an Islanders fan. Boys and girls, we got to go. We're out of time. Thank you so much for listening, and until next time, we're gone. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.